How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 280 of x Lapsed, where I'm getting this recording in a little bit early. Uh, we are still in the midst of a holiday week here in the States, and uh, well, I have a long ride ahead of me. Um, there's this pie place. Uh, the pie is like my one indulgence during this uh, weird cutting diet that I'm on right now. And uh, every Thanksgiving, we make the nearly 90 minute drive uh, out to this uh, pie place where I'll probably have to stand outside on a line for about 45 minutes to an hour and hope that uh, they'll still have some of the flavors that I'm looking for still on the shelves here. Usually they do. Usually they do. They've, uh, I don't know that they've ever run out on a Thanksgiving weekend. They're usually very, very good about planning the you know absolute onslaught of humanity that descends upon them uh, in the week prior to Thanksgiving. So, looking forward to that. But uh, hey, with that on my uh, calendar and on my docket, I got to get this episode in. You know, earlier in the day. And today we have a pretty decent issue of Wolverine to discuss. So how about we hop right in? This is Wolverine, Volume 7, Number 17, had a December 2021 cover date and a legacy number of 359. Stories called Message in a Bottle, written by Benjamin Percy with pencils by Lan Medina, inks Cam Smith, colors Havok Tartaglia, letters VCs Corey Petit, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman, edits Amaro Basso White Sabolski, cover price $3.99. This one went on sale October the 20th of 2021. So we open with our uh, new old friend Jeff Bannister, who we haven't seen in a little while. He's in Baltimore uh, monitoring the sinister Dolores Ramirez of the X-Desk. Now Jeff narrates about his uh, propensity to zero in on the slightest of details in order to break investigations wide open. Now he looks on as Dolores wheels herself out of the Sylvan Diner. We jump to a week later where Jeff and his daughter return to the diner uh, 90 minutes before Dolores were to arrive. Now, he only knows that because he paid off a busboy to get all the details that uh, Dolores dines here every single week in the same booth at the same exact time. And uh, it doesn't appear that she comes to eat either. All she does is order a cup of coffee, takes a sip or two, and uh, jams out. And so, Jeff and his daughter pop in and they take Dolores' booth. Jeff scans the table looking for any hints of surveillance or weirdness or just anything that's out of sorts here. He's approached by a waitress who's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? And so he lies and says he's here to perform a routine check of the cleanliness of the place. He then pops his head under the table, claiming to be looking for, like, wads of gum, but instead he finds what appears to be a listening device, a a very plant-like listening device. And Jeff wonders if it's Krakoan or Terra Verdin in origin. 
From here, we hop to our double page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters include Wolverine, Domino, Jeff Bannister, and Maverick. Back to comics, and it's back to Krakoa for some... Comedy? I think it's comedy. Um, you see, it's Krakoa Karaoke Night at the Green Lagoon. So maybe it's Krakioke? Huh? Anyway, we've got Blob singing Barbara Ann by the Beach Boys. Only he's singing Blob, 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 Blobberan. Okay. Uh, then Pyro, being perhaps a little too on-brand, sings... Well, if you're Pyro, what song do you think he's going to sing? Like, think about popular songs of the past 30, 40 years. Um, yeah, of course, it's Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, Gene Gray and Storm then belt out a duet of Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart, which <laughs> seems wildly out of character for both of them. Uh, it's worth noting, while this is going down, uh, Wolverine and Domino are off, you know, in the crowd chatting about some dark web intel that Sage came across regarding a group of baddies targeting Krakoa with some poisons. Now, we know Percy loves the dark web. Now, these baddies are planning on dumping a bunch of toxins into the water near the island in order to kind of foobar Krakoa's pharma acumen, or something like that. It's also worth noting that Gene tries to goad Logan into getting on stage to sing some Johnny Cash. Thankfully, he does not. Then, our hero hears a familiar voice on stage singing the Righteous Brothers' You Lost That Lovin' Feelin'. And that familiar voice belongs to Maverick. Now, after the song, Maverick hands off the mic to Bishop, who doesn't look anything like he currently does in Marauders. Uh, He still has his long hair and the old costume with, like like, the bandana around his neck. To which, I gotta repeat the old saying here, hey, it's not as though there are like a half dozen editors working on these books, right? Anyway, Logan and Mav catch up. We learn that our visitor is quite the fan of Krakoa's Green Lagoon, and he does stop in from time to time. He claims that he ain't ready to actually move to Xavier's culty island, but hey, it's cool enough to pop in every now and again to grab a drink. Wolverine then drafts him into joining he and Domino on this dark web mission. And Maverick reminds our man that he is, in fact, a merc, and asks what the gig will pay. Scene shift over to Jeff Bannister's office at the CIA. Now, ever since his daughter started her recovery, he's decided to take a desk job. He thinks that this will make him, you know, more available to care for her, and uh, I guess it's successful so far. He says he's usually home just as she's getting off the school bus, so I guess it's a win-win. Now, this place seems like a fairly high-strung place to work. Uh, The woman at the front desk pulls a pistol on him on sight. I don't know if that's how they greet all of their guests and all of their employees, but uh, I don't know. (laughs) Now, he reminds her that he belongs here, and then he heads into his own personal office so he can take a closer look and listen uh, to that weird botanical listening device gimmick. Now, he's interrupted in his listen, however, as uh, one of his co-workers pops in to remind him that it's his day to run and pick up lunch for the office. Now, this co-worker spots the bug and loudly, loudly guesses that, hey, it's Krakoan. Which, we're about to learn, isn't the smartest thing to do. Info page. Someone at Jeff's CIA office leaves a voicemail regarding the Krakoan device to someone who appears to be blackmailing them. Now, this audio is intercepted by Sage's systems. Back to Wolverine, Domino, and Maverick, who spend about seven pages awkwardly dialoguing while taking down the freighter who threatened the chemical attack. Now, since this is technically an X-Force mission, I guess, 
Uh, there are no rules against killing, and so our heroes definitely get their money's worth here. People are, you know, being shot in the head, cut apart. It's stabbed through, run through. It's a, it's a scene. Back to Bannister, who's returned to his office with lunch. Now he arrives to discover that everyone in the building has been killed. And so, he beats it the hell out of there, grabs his daughter, and they go on the run. We next see him maybe the same night, maybe a few nights later. They're at a motel. Jeff's daughter asks if he can, you know, maybe grab her some more candy from the vending machine. And so he heads out to do just that. While stood before the machine, he drops a quarter which bounces and then rolls over to the foot of another weary traveler. And that traveler is Maverick. We wrap up with an info page where Wolverine writes into Sage about a message that he'd found in a beer bottle on Jeff Bannister's front yard. Now, he knows that his newish pal is in some sort of trouble. He just doesn't realize that his old pal, Maverick, might just be the cause of it. And that is where we leave it. So, what do you all think about this issue? Um, I can't speak for everyone, but uh, I quite enjoyed it. I thought this was a really fun, uh, fun story. Uh, the... Fighting bits were a little pedestrian. It's kind of what we come to expect from a, you know, Wolverine jaunt against some faceless, nameless bad guys. But uh, everything around it really uh, hit the mark for me here. We haven't seen Jeff Bannister since... I'm trying to think of when the last time we saw him was. uh, Maybe, like, just after Exitens? It's been a while. It's been a minute, right? And uh, we haven't seen much of Dolores. She did pop up at the gala. But uh, before that, I don't know that we've seen her for a little while. Uh, In this book, at least. Um, I know she was at the auction house where Maverick was, you know, up on on the, the stage for bids. And we know that she met with Maverick at the end of that storyline. And we haven't seen either of them since. So it's nice that we're bringing that back to the fore here. It's like we didn't forget it. Um, this actually doesn't feel like it's treading water, like a lot of the line is right now. I feel like we're about to shift into Wolverine kind of being the straw that stirs the drink for a little bit. I don't know if this is necessarily going to lead into the, you know, uh, how did, Exlado, Exlado, (laughs) however we're gonna, however we're gonna acronymize that, uh, I don't know if this is gonna lead into that necessarily, or if this is just gonna... They're just going to rush to wrap this story up so we can get to that or shift to that. I'm not really sure, but it doesn't feel as... What's the word I'm looking for here? Unnatural? Inorganic? Rushed? Forced? It doesn't feel like like the recent issue of Excalibur we read, where that one felt more like they realized, uh-oh, you know, we have only X amount of pages left to fill... And we have all these elements for this story that we've been building that we may not be able to get to. Here, this feels a little bit more planned out. And again, I, I you know, I always say I have no insider knowledge. <laughs> I have uh, absolutely uh, no right to be talking about the nuances of the craft. But to me, as a reader and as an observer and as a thick-ass analyst, this feels more organic to me. This feels like a story that's just coming around. And bringing Maverick back the way they did, uh, uh, having him, having him kind of play both sides, it's being done with uh, with a measure of nuance and subtlety, which, hey, it's not something we're totally used to in these books, especially a book like a, a Wolverine or an X Force, which are uh, usually 
plainly unsubtle. Here we have Maverick, who he reports in that he periodically stops in at the Green Lagoon. Makes sense. It makes sense that he would do so if he just enjoys... The, I'm, I'm assuming it's it's free booze, right? There's no money on Krakoa. If he enjoys that, hey, that's cool. But from what we know, we know that he has some sort of association with Dolores Ramirez. So his... Uh, you know, his missions into Krakoa might be more of the fact-finding variety or surveillance variety, and, well, he has access, he can pass, and he's friends with Wolverine. So he's a really good, uh, I'm not sure if mole is the uh, correct term for that, but it's in that vein, for sure. And I do like that when Wolverine asked him for help, he didn't immediately jump at it. He played it very much like Maverick would have always played it. Reminding Wolverine that, you know, he's a mercenary. He works for whoever pays him. So Wolverine's like, hey, can you help us with this gig? And he's like, well, what does it pay? He's still staying true to himself, staying true to what Wolverine knows him to be, and that's a mercenary. And during their outing, he came through in a pinch. He saved Domino. He, he basically sniped everyone who uh, who presented themselves as a threat. So... Definitely ingratiated himself to Wolverine, to Krakoa, kind of hiding in plain sight here. And again, we don't know where this is headed, which is great. We don't know what the deal is with Dolores. We don't know whose side she is, uh, is being, you know, is playing for here. We've mentioned it here that in Wolverine and in X-Force, maybe she hasn't shown up in X-Force, maybe it's just been Wolverine, but we've mentioned that she's not portrayed as being terribly mutant-friendly. In the Wolverine book, which is something that uh, kind of raised a red flag for us during the the auction storyline, we know that she's friendly with the Krakoans over in Marauders. We know that she's, I don't know if tight is the right word, but she's friendly with Storm. You know, she gave Storm a lot of information. She kind of cut uh, Omenes Verandi's plot out, you know, at its knees. So whose side is she playing for? We don't know. Are we interested? Well, yeah, I think we might be. I think uh, this is this is a mystery that uh, that Percy's actually built very well here, having you know her being morally or alignment-y nebulous. It really works because we take we step down a, a link in the chain here. We got Maverick. We know that maybe he reports to her, but we again we don't know whose side anyone is for. We saw this uh, listening device. Well, uh, Bannister said it himself. It's either Krakoan or Terra Verdon. And we never got, you know, exact clarification on that either. So, if we play this out, and we assume that this listening device is under uh, Dolores' table, or under her, you know, at the booth there, if it turns out that it is Krakoan, and Sage is listening into Dolores, well, that stands to reason that uh, she's already on their radar. And I can't remember if this was the same diner where she and Maverick had their meeting. Because if that is the case, and if this listening device is Krakoan, well then Sage and company will already know what's going on behind the scenes here. They'll know that Maverick at least took a meeting with Dolores. We won't know necessarily what came out of that meeting, but we'll know that there's an association there. Now if it's Terra Verdon, well, that might present a different situation wherein Dolores is a target. Whichever way it goes, uh, at least at present, I'm very interested. 
I think that this is a fun story, a fun mystery, and it certainly doesn't hurt that uh, Jeff Bannister's back, and uh, I found Bannister to be a pretty fun character ever since we met him. I think we met him back in issue one of this volume of Wolverine. I think he's a cool character, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where this goes. Let's talk art before we cut out of here. Um, it was all right. You know, is that right? It certainly wasn't a Kubert or a Bogdanovic, but uh, decent enough. Uh, so decent that I think I can safely say that it sidestepped the the filler feeling that we get when some of these books uh, bring a new artist in for an issue or two. Uh, what was the one we just read? We did uh, Sword, which, like I mentioned there, it was kind of an uneven issue where we had some some scenes, some panels that looked fantastic, and other ones that felt very very rushed. Um, I think I call them like original English language manga. It just, eyes were cockeyed, everything was just a little too, it looked like it had been run through the dryer kind of. It was just kind of, kind of skewed, not, not, uh, not great all the way through. We didn't have that here. This felt very much like it's uh, just a normal issue of Wolverine. Didn't feel like we were filling time, didn't feel like we were treading water, and the art didn't lend to a feeling of filler either, but, uh, Overall, I gotta say, this was a fun one. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going. I'm definitely interested to see if this is leading into whatever the big, uh, you know, ex lato ex lato story is going to be. But uh, I guess we will uh, we will know before long, won't we? Or maybe with all the delays, we'll know long. We'll, we'll know in long. I don't know. But uh, that's all I got to say about this issue. Uh, the mailbag is empty. Um, I was going to start reading some spam posts that I've been getting at the blog just to fill time. Uh, but uh, I try to keep the show clean. And uh, if I were to read any of those, well, I'd have to you know, employ the explicit uh, tag for the show because, wow, I got some perverts <laughs> spamming the, uh, the blog here. It's weird, ever since I switched over to WordPress, I'm getting so much more spam. I'm getting literally... 15 to 20 messages a day that are all about, like, uh, uh, teenage yada 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 and big butt yada 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 and uh, changing room and mother-in-law. It's it's <laughs> it's very, very bizarre. So, uh, hey, if anybody wants to uh, write in about stuff that isn't uh, as explicit, please feel free to do so. I'll give you the contact information in just a little bit. But first, let's hop over to shout-outs. This is where I thank the folks who thought enough to engage with the little buttons on the social media things to help to promote and signal boost these programs. Over on Twitter, it's, and it's a short list today because, well, the, uh, the book that I'm talking about, uh, the signal boosts for, is uh, X-Men Unlimited, and nobody, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. So, on Twitter, I'd like to thank Dave Schultz, Chris Bailey, Billy D, Joe Crawford, and Jason Colby. Over on Facebook, Jeremiah, Corbin Owens, Billy D, Joe Crawford, Walt Nealon, Pat Sampson, and Andrew Franklin. Thanks much for being part of the group and for you know, clicking that little heart. Finally, on Instagram, uh, in addition to all the folks telling me where to promote, or where to pay <laughs> to promote the show, I'd like to thank Jeremiah, Mark Jagger, Dayspring over at Power of X-Men, Kelsey Marie, and uh, the not-at-all-sketchy Gold Hub One. Let's keep the gratitude flowing here by thanking the patrons over at patreon.com slash xlapsed. I want to thank Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, Mark Jagger, Herman, and Andrew in Belfast. 
Your support means the absolute world to me, so thank you all so very much. So now how about we take this one home so I can uh, prepare for my trek to the pie stand. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so several different ways. You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. Uh, hey, that Instagram is a thing at least for the next... I don't know, a couple weeks uh, That's 90s X-Men on Instagram If you want to give a follow over there uh, You can send an email over to WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com Or you can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline At 623-396-JERK For blog posts and show notes You can head over to Chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com You can join us on Facebook At 90s X-Men The complete audio archives are available At ChrisAndReggie.Podbean.com You find that anywhere you find noise and, of course, there is the Patreon, patreon.com slash xlapsed, uh, exclusive audio, exclusive articles, behind-the-scenes hoodoo, all that good stuff. If you're interested in checking it out, uh, you only get billed once a month. So uh, it only bills the first of the month, so if you sign up anytime that's not the first of the month, you won't be charged until the first of the next month. So if you just want to pop your head in, see what the offerings are there, I appreciate the opportunity. If you don't want to stick around... Hey, no harm, no foul, no hard feelings. We can all still be friends. In any event, I certainly would appreciate the opportunity. But I think that's about all I got to say for today. I'd like to thank you all so much for choosing to lend me your ears for about a half hour today. It really does mean a lot. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. See ya.